0: Let's pray, dear Heavenly Father. Once again, we come before you on a Thursday night, and Lord, we ask that you would take this time that we've dedicated to the study of your Word and help us to do exactly that—to learn things that will help us live for you. We ask you to give us strength to serve you in these last days. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One more time, I—I I think we've just about covered the book twice, we went through the big picture, and uh, now we've been going back through specific passages, and uh, uh, let's uh, turn to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, and uh, as we go through the last uh, two-thirds of this chapter, we're uh, not going to be able to get everything, of course, but... I believe some things that Paul wanted uh, the Philippian church to understand certainly, I, I believe, applies to, to us and, and, and today. And we'll just start reading in verse 12. But I would, ye should, understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance. Of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in, excuse me, in the Lord, waxing confidence by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so we're going to stop right here. and 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 this is really a a somewhat strange uh, passage as we pick up farther on but Paul is starting on a very positive note he has uh, introduced himself and the others that are with him he is writing back to a church that he had uh, good relationships and was doing things right and Paul here is saying listen I know you're concerned at this time it had been very close to four years two years in in uh, the land of Israel, in Caesarea Philippi, uh, because of the politics with Felix and Festus and all of the uh, 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 the influence of the temple Jews, the, the leaders there. Paul had then appealed to Caesar and was shipwrecked on his way, and now he was about two years in Rome. His time was drawing near uh, to be... Uh, to appear before Caesar, and Paul really had no idea, as we're going to see in this chapter, how it was going to go for him. He had expectations that he would be released, but he also knew that there was looming the possibility as he was standing before Caesar at the center of the Roman Empire as a Roman citizen that he could actually be tried for his life, that the punishment meet it? How it could be capital? And and so Paul was was concerned about that, of course. But that wasn't in his top ten. You would think being in prison, awaiting to be tried, possibly uh, a death sentence being handed down, that would be number one on your priority list. You'd be meeting with your lawyers. Uh, you'd be trying to uh, lobby the powers that be. He would be doing all kinds of things. But Paul wasn't worried about that. He's worried about something far more important. But he first wanted the Philippian church to understand something. God was still in church. In fact, God was using Paul in greater ways as being a prisoner than he was when Paul had his freedom. And uh, I think that Paul was, uh, as we read the rest of the book of Philippians, there were times when Paul went without, there were times when Paul had extra Paul said, I've learned to to live in all of those states. But right now, he says in verse 12, I want you to understand that these bonds have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. And uh, you don't need a commentary to understand this. Uh, You don't need to read a big dictionary. All you need to do is just read the words there. He says, listen, these bonds, this imprisonment... As things have played out, you know, certainly I think Paul wouldn't have checked this in, in an old Bible. I, I put my notes on my computer and my paper, but I used to uh, write them in the uh, uh, margin of my Bible at one time until I lost the Bible and all my notes with it. So now I keep them on my computer so I don't lose them. And, uh, um, but uh, I remember... Um, as Paul was finishing the letter to the Romans, he said, I hope by the will of God to come unto you. And in the margin of my Bible, I wrote in chains. Because that's how Paul came in the will of God to Rome. Now, wasn't it? And uh, I've heard people preach sermons. that Paul was out of God's will, he should have never went to Jerusalem. He should have never... Paul had a job to do. He had to deliver the offering there. He chose to be obedient to God and, and do the will of the churches. And Paul was imprisoned. And here he says, listen, my imprisonment has given me opportunities to preach the gospel that I never would have had otherwise. You know, I think that struck a chord with the Philippians because Paul had an opportunity in the Philippian jail to preach to somebody that would have never listened under any other set of circumstances. How many of you remember that story from Acts chapter 16? See, we we live in a world... And we are conditioned. This positive thinking has... Uh, some of you may, may remember... Uh, uh, oh, what was his name? Uh, Robert Schuller, out in California, Turn Your Lemons Into Lemonade and, and Your Scars Into Stars... And, of course, with that one, you were supposed to send money so he could build the now-defunct Crystal Cathedral. Uh, and uh, uh, then you had Norman Vincent Peale who started his positive thinking. And, and it's, we, we look at that and we make jokes. Positive thinking's great until you have a negative thought. Amen? Uh, uh, great until you get one of those phone calls. This is the IRS. We'd like to help you. Uh, There's not very much positive about those kinds of things. But uh, we have this idea we're conditioned that our walk with Christ should just be one step higher every day, that we're going to get to this point where everything is going just the way we want. Could I challenge you? Fantasy land is a state of mind, but it doesn't last very long. The real world is out there. And bad things happen to good people in the real world. The difference is, we're supposed to be serving God. You see, here's what Paul said. He said, these bonds have led to a greater furtherance of the gospel. By the way, where would we be without Philippians and Ephesians and First and 2 Timothy and Titus and Philemon? These were books that Paul wrote while he was in prison. And we, we need these books. Paul had an opportunity here to write these things. And, and what he is telling us is, That God is in charge. And he said, my ability to give the gospel has even reached the palace of Caesar. And and look at um, verse 13. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. He says, listen. He said, the gospel has gone out and I have got... Uh, My witness has reached into the home, into the palace of Caesar. Now, could you imagine that? And in all other places, Paul was ministering to the church. It was in Rome while he was there. He could not leave his house. He was under house arrest. He could not attend the services. We don't know if the church actually met in the house that Paul rented. We... Uh, we have no record uh, of those things. Paul certainly doesn't say so, but it's certain that his influence and his preaching had gone throughout the city of Rome. It said in all other places now that's a pretty amazing statement. and you know what? no one was going to cause a riot like they did in Ephesus in Rome. Now were they? Because Paul had a Roman guard. Uh, no one was going to beat Paul like they did in Philippi because he was already arrested. You can't can't incarcerate someone who's already in jail. And, And Paul is giving us a very positive picture of what was going on. And then in verse 14, he takes it a step further. He said, And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He's saying, There are people who have served Christ. They're watching what has happened to me. And they're going, Paul is serving Christ as much and as free being in prison as he was when he was free. Uh, What do I have to be afraid of? You see, we get afraid... Of what men can do to us. And we're not afraid of offending God. You see, Paul had the perspective right, didn't he? And Paul is saying, listen, people didn't understand. People uh, uh, are now listening. They're watching. And they're going out. And we're going to skip down here uh, uh, to verse 17. He says, their motive is love knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. So, Paul was saying, listen, there's some that love Christ, and they love taking the gospel to the world in which they live, and they do not misunderstand the situation I'm in, and they're preaching the truth. They know that I am in prison here for the right reasons for the defense of the gospel. But we got a darker side here. And we're going to go back and get these verses. He says in verse 15 some indeed preach Christ of envy, even of envy and strife. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Isn't that contradictory? The one preached Christ, verse 16, of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Now we get down here to verse 18, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and therein, and I therein do rejoice and will rejoice. Now I want to challenge you that As we have gone through this book, the theme of the book is rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Paul goes through that. He uses the word rejoice in every chapter, sometimes several times. And it's never, as we covered last week, it's not an attainment. It's a choice. It's not a point that you're going to reach where I'll be able to rejoice in the Lord. No. Paul said, I'm making a willful choice. You see, I'm in prison. And there are some people that are behind me and they're supporting me, like the Philippian church. There are people that are using me as an excuse to do more for Jesus. That's a good thing. But we got a downside to this thing. He said, there are some out there that are preaching Christ through envy and strife. Now, what I'd like to do to to help us see this is maybe just tell you a story. A little history. In 1991, our family moved to New York City to start this church. And our first year in the city, we worked with the then All Nations Bible Baptist Church that was in Elmhurst. And uh, one of my responsibilities was teaching the college and career class. And and uh, I'll tell you what, we learned an awful lot working with Brother McArdle. And uh, uh, we, we uh, planned our first church dinner. Uh, and was uh, we told everybody it was going to be a, like a picnic setting and... Uh, and we brought my wife made up baked beans with brown sugar and all that kind of stuff, and somebody tasted that and said, "These beans are sweet. What's wrong with them?" And, and we looked down the table there, and somebody had brought yellow rice and black beans and red beans and white rice and yellow rice and red beans and and it was like, "Wow, we got a lot to learn i'm I'm glad that doesn't happen at our dinners, amen." Uh, but one of the young men I taught there uh, baptized him uh, discipled him and then after a year of working in the church we moved to Astoria and started the Open Door Bible Baptist Church about four years later five years later we got a uh, I picked up a track on the street and I saw this young man's name on a track. Bible Baptist Church. Long Island City. Just a few blocks away. And I said, wow. What, what, what's going on here? Uh, and so I, I met with this fellow and said, you know, his name was John. And I, I, I said, now John, I said, uh, I said, uh, we, we've been through this. I said, I think we're on the same page here. I, I baptized you and and Oh, he said, oh, no, you didn't teach me anything. Oh. He said, you don't believe the Bible's the Word of God. Oh. Uh, I said, I taught you to use only... No, no, no. Dr. Peter Ruckman in Florida taught me that, not you. You don't believe the Bible you're you're this and you're that and I said, well, you know what? That sounds like preaching Christ of contention to me. You see, I tried to work with John, but he didn't want to work. He wanted to make sure that he was different in every way and that he and his church were the only pure church and the only true. In fact, he'd go around telling people they were the only Baptist church uh, in in Astoria, Long Island City. That our church was a corrupt church and bad and all this stuff. But you know what? He did lead some people to the Lord, and uh, eventually it, it it closed its doors and. Paul Fazio and several other people that were attending there didn't have any other place to go. And so, it was kind of funny. they come and say, nothing he said about you was true. He said, yeah. I said, but see, Preacher John was preaching the same gospel I was. He said, you're preaching the same message. You're preaching the same truth. Why? Why was there all of this... I said, you have to ask him. Well, he's not in the ministry anymore. Well, then let's just forget about it and go forward. You see, sometimes that happens. And here's Paul's solution to the problem. He said, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. You know, there are some people that cannot tell you about Jesus without telling you about themselves first. You ever met anybody like that? that? That's not a pleasant thing. You see, envy means you're promoting personality. There are some churches built on envy is something about personality. It's when someone has something that you want uh, Paul had started churches all over the Roman world all through modern day Turkey and, and, and through Greece and now he was imprisoned in Rome and so these people took advantage of the situation that Paul was in prison they started preaching sermons like uh, well I preach the same Christ that Paul does but I'm not in jail like he is You, you see, they, they've just got to put themselves into the equation. One of the things that we have striven, we have wor- I have worked as your pastor, is not to introduce you to these quote-unquote super personalities that have influenced different groups of independent Baptist churches. We, uh, we used to get a publication, and we don't get it anymore, and I'm not even going to name it, because it just spends so much time emphasizing personalities. The thing I love about the Global Independent Baptist Times is they emphasize doctrine. How many of you have taken time to read one of those things? You, you need to. You ought to. It will encourage you in your service for Christ. By the way, the one on the table there has got a beautiful article about uh, this young couple with a, just a little boy named Zito starting a church in the Bronx, and, and uh, of course that's Franz out of our church, and and we we love stories like that. But uh, um, you you just uh, need to 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 read those things because here's what happens: personality is something every one of us have at least one of. Uh, you don't have to be schizophrenic to have more than one personality. If, how many of you are one way at work and another way at home and another way with your friends and another way on vacation? And That's not good. You see, that's where that envy and strife come in, isn't it? You see, if we're going to serve Christ, we need to stay away from the personalities. What did Paul condemn the Corinthian church for? They had done this very thing, personalities. I'm a Peter, I'm of Apollos, I'm a Paul. And of course, the pious gas bags were of Christ. None of them were. Because if any of them had been honest about who they were following... They would have been in perfect agreement with everybody else. You ever met somebody who just had to be different because they had to be different? Don't be that person. Someone said, oh, you're just a bunch of mind-numb robots. You want mind-numb robots, go to Congress. Listen to the news and the Democrats talk. Every one of them says exactly the same thing, and there's not a bit of truth in the whole thing. How many heard Hillary's written a new book about her life? I heard some excerpts on one of the talk shows. It was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. How many of you knew that Trump, during the uh, presidential debate, was breathing down Hillary's neck and intimidating her? From 15 feet away, clear across the platform. I mean, talk about a personality. That's, oh, I just love this stuff. Nobody in their right mind. Even if it were true, here's the most powerful woman in the world, afraid because he's standing behind her breathing heavy. Give me a break. We live in a world of total insanity. And how many people are going, Oh, poor Hillary today. Listen. You're not a mind-numbed robot for following Jesus Christ. And if I'm following Jesus and you're following Jesus... There just might be some very strong similarities. You know It might even be since we 're members of the same church that we could walk together in unity, because each of us make an individual choice to follow Christ in our church. But there are some that want to cause contention. You know what we're going to do we're going to let them not in our church of course, but they're not evil they're still preaching Christ that's what Paul's saying here we're not talking about the Methodist and the uh, the Bible church and the chapel people and the and uh, the Jews for jesus and and uh, Joel Osteen and all of these things uh, that are going on they do not have the truth. Never have. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about disagreements with people. That's why Jesus founded individual local churches. I don't know how many people over the years. My wife will remember this story. It was our first time witnessing really out on visitation at Cleveland Baptist and we knocked on the door and the uh, it was a Saturday morning, and the guy began to explain to us that he had come to Cleveland Baptist Church and heard R- Brother Thompson preach, and, and he got saved. And he's been the most miserable time of his life since he got saved. And I'm sitting there going, what is, what is wrong? He says, I just, he said, that preacher, he said, I'm a salesman, and he's a high-pressure salesman. How many of you remember Brother Thompson when he came and preached for us? He was not a high-pressure salesman. But he was a very powerful preacher. You know what? This guy couldn't handle it. And I remember saying, listen, you need to be faithful to the Bible. He says, I'm trying, but, but I can't stand it. I said, let me give you a list of other churches that preach exactly the same thing. And uh, it was actually, how do I say this without being too confusing? Brother Clayton's son-in-law's dad pastored another church across town. And... uh, I said, why don't you go up there to to that church and try that one out? And I listed several others. He went up there and he fell in love with Pastor Males. Became a deacon in the church and one of the main men in there. Loving every minute of it. You know why? Because Pastor Thompson and Pastor Males weren't fighting each other. They were both serving Jesus But their churches were very different because there were two very different men leading the churches. And that's absolutely in keeping with serving Christ. Amen? And so, there are going to be those that cause contention. As long as they're not doing it inside the fellowship of our church, Paul said, I'm not going to worry about it. I think that's pretty good advice for us today. That's what we did all those years ago. And and there were certain things that Pastor John over there at that church right here in the neighborhood did. Uh, I don't think they ever had over ten people in any service, ever. But he would do certain things that he would know would just make it more difficult for us We we couldn't go out and go street preaching anymore because they did a little different variety than we did and uh, they were very offensive in what they did and we just had to give some time for that thing to go away. And uh, you pray about that because we're, we're going to get that van out again as soon as we get done this construction here and, and, and start getting some of those old sermons out because we need to be out on the streets. But they did things. that, and, and I remember spending many hours in prayer. Lord, I don't want to have a bad attitude toward this guy. I, I helped him understand what salvation was and baptized him and, and, and taught him basic Bible doctrine. But then he went and found another personality and decided that that was the kind of person he was going to be. And that person just loved to fight everybody. And... Guess what? God brought us through that time. Sometimes history repeats itself. And you know what? God's going to bring us through this time too. Amen? And what we're going to do is stop worrying about the contention and bad attitudes and things that may be said. And You see, Paul sums it all up here. Verse 18, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and there and I therein do rejoice and will rejoice. You see, that's why when we get to chapter 3, as we did, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. You know what? You can still rejoice in the Lord. You have to choose to do so. Paul was in prison. He said, I choose to rejoice. And I choose not to be drawn into this fray and not to try to deal and attack the persons and personalities involved. I have one overwhelming desire here. Verse 21 For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, let's get the two verses there in between. Verse 19 says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation. Now, of course, that has really been a struggle for most commentators. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Was Paul saved? Hello? Hello? If he was, go like this, yes, or say yes, like Brother Dave did, nice, so we know uh, that you're with us. Yes, Paul was already saved, so he couldn't be talking about his spiritual salvation. He got that in Acts chapter 9. Are we together? So, what's he talking about? Well, what has he been talking about? The preaching of the gospel of Christ. And the fact that he's in jail. He said, I preach the gospel Christ everywhere I can preach it in Rome. I've preached it in Caesar's household. I've made contact with the church. There's no other place for me to preach. So if I'm going to live, God's got to set me free and send me somewhere else to preach. That's what Paul's saying here. But he says, don't forget to pray that that will happen. It kind of reminds me of almost every service I give you a union update. And and I tell you, you know, things are progressing. If you could walk in, you would go, wow. In fact, I have some pictures on my phone. I'll try to get them up. Uh, But the drop ceiling is in. The lights, you actually turn a switch. And the lights come on in part of the room because the other part's not connected to the main temporary service. So... Yeah, uh, a lot of lot of little things going on here, and I want you to pray, because we're moving in the right direction, and very, very possibly in a week or two we could be attempting to get the vacate order lifted and the building reopened. But we've got a lot to do between now and then. So I want you to pray. But this is what Paul's saying here. We have every expectation, Paul says For I know that this shall turn to my salvation, getting me out of prison through your prayer and supply of the Spirit, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. That's the answer. You know, our church exists for only one reason. To take the message of Christ to the world in which we live. To support our missionaries. To be that beacon. Not only here in our neighborhood, but all throughout the world. And that's where our hearts got to be. You know what? We're going to run into, and we have, on many more occasions than most of the people in this auditorium will ever know about, where there's been contention through the preaching of the gospel of Christ by people who ought to be working together but can't. So what do we do? We just keep serving Christ. And we choose... To rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because even those of contention are going to reach people that we can't reach. And if they want to bring personality in it and try to condemn and all of these things, you know what? We'll keep preaching Christ and let God sort that out at the throne. We're not going to let anything, by God's grace, we're not going to let anything deter us from doing what we're supposed to That's what Paul was warning the Philippian church about. Does that sound like something we need right now? Hello? I think it is. And we have to understand that it's not about personality. It's not about people. It's about one person. The Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul gives uh, his reason for, believe, for believing this. This is part of his vision for his service for Christ. He said, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. I get to tell people about Jesus. I get to preach Jesus. But I don't know. You know, as Paul's sitting there, he has some time to think about things that he normally didn't do. Wouldn't have had. And he's sitting there going, Wow. What what if Caesar hands down a capital sentence and has me executed? He said, then I'll be in the arms of Jesus with him forevermore and there won't be any more suffering and he'll be around the throne and praising and worshiping. He said that's a pretty wonderful thought now, isn't it? He said, So I'm in a strait betwixt two, I don't know what to choose it would be far better to be with Christ. But look what he says here. Nevertheless, verse 24, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Paul said, listen, I'm I'm thinking about this thing. And he said, I know you're praying for me, and I want you to pray for me. And if God answers those prayers, and I get my freedom, I'm going to come back to Philippi, and what a time we're going to have. And your rejoicing is going to be so magnified in Christ, I can't see any other solution. Now, Paul had been in prison for four years at this time. That's a long time. I'm sure glad the construction hasn't lasted four years. I mean, parts of it will. We understand that. We spent six years fixing our auditorium here. Uh, And I kept telling you, we're going to be done by Christmas. I'm just not telling you which one. And uh, uh, and we did get it done before Christmas. Uh, Actually, we finished in August. Amen? It was just after five and a half, almost six years of work. But that's okay. You see, we have some expectations that God is going to do some things. Sometimes He makes us wait a little longer than we would like. Sometimes we get deterred. Sometimes there's contention and bitterness and things said and things done that aren't done for the right reasons. And Paul says, I'm just going to rejoice that I'm still serving Christ and even these people that are causing contention are still serving Christ, I'm going to rejoice. And I'm not going to pay any attention to the details because I've only got one thing in mind. To preach Jesus Christ. And the fact that i preached them all through the city of Rome now, I think it's time to leave. And so I think I'm coming to Philippi. And uh, if I do, it's going to be rejoicing. And then just the last few minutes here, will We'll finish up these last uh, several verses here. As he warns them, only let your conversation. Listen, Philippian church, you can see what's going on in my life. Now, here's your application to your life. Whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul says, listen, your service for Christ doesn't change. If the Caesar gives the command and I am executed and I never get to see you again, God has not... Changed the service requirements of the Philippian church. You're still supposed to rejoice. You're still supposed to do what's right. Circumstances do not determine God's will. I've often met people and they'll say, well, the Lord opened this door, so it must be His will. I always get a little nervous about that because the devil's good at opening doors too. And sometimes the Lord shuts the door and we get a hammer and crowbar and break it down anyway. And the Lord will let you do that. You're the one that's going to suffer for it. You see, you know what the Bible says that you're supposed to be doing, don't you? Do it. That's what Paul's telling the Philippians. Just do it. Just keep doing it. Just stay faithful to the gospel. Don't let these things, one faith, one spirit, striving together, one mind for the uh, together for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28, uh-oh. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Would you really like to drive... Someone crazy that's trying to hurt you. Let me to tell you how you do that. Don't be afraid of them. I think I've told the story often of Dr. John Rice. He was in a town late at night, and uh, some guy popped out of a corner and stuck a gun in his belly and said, Your money or your life. And uh, Dr. Rice looked down at him. He was a huge man, every dimension and uh, looked down at him and said, Don't threaten me with heaven, young man! Scared the living daylights out of that guy. Before it was all over, he was sitting down giving him the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know that I would try that today in New York City if someone sticks a gun at your... uh, Don't threaten me with heaven, they might send you there. Uh, That worked for him. Uh, You... Be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. We we don't need to be afraid. You know we have a lot of people who are afraid of North Korea. And they'll let that fear keep them from showing up visitation. Don't do that. A lot of people are afraid of what someone is going to say or what someone's going to think, or afraid of losing a friendship, or afraid of offending a person. Hey, don't be afraid of offending people. Be afraid of offending God. That's what Paul's telling the Philippian church here. And it's not based on circumstance. He said, I may be there and we can rejoice together. And he said, that's what my expectation is. But even if I don't make it, you be faithful and don't be terrified. You really want to drive somebody crazy? I remember I've told this story many times. It's only happened once, praise God. The IRS calls up and says, you filled your taxes out wrong and you owe us all this money and all of this. And I said, I want to talk to your supervisor, just like that. And all oh, on the other end of the phone, that, that poor little agent just had a fit. He and couldn't hardly talk to me. By the time it was all done, they were sending me money. And uh, don't be afraid. The world, their greatest tactic is fear. I've watched big biker dudes run away from an outstretched gospel track, and I'm I'm sitting there going, "Man, who's the sissy, me or them?" I'll be on the right side of things if to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen? You see, here's what Paul said. For unto you, verse 29, it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to, what's that next word? Suffer for His sake. Having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. Paul said, What's going on in my life? It's going to happen in yours. You know what? You're going to suffer for the cause of Christ. But that's okay because Christ suffered for us. You want to identify with Jesus? That's one of the ways we identify with Jesus Christ is by being willing to suffer. And that suffering, it takes place in different ways in every life. If you tried to take someone else's suffering, it wouldn't hurt you a bit. But yours does. You know why? Because God has specifically designed the suffering that he brings into your life to keep you focused on Jesus Christ. To work patience, James chapter 1. To make people stop and notice that you don't behave the same way they do, so you have a platform to witness from, the book of Job. God has many purposes in suffering. You know, sometimes He asks us to suffer And the only reason he wants us to suffer is so he can give us a reward when we get to heaven? Does God have that right? You better believe he does. And if you get your eyes off the personality and put them on Jesus Christ, we don't have to have a reason why God takes us through that valley. Because we have a service that we owe to Jesus Christ. Amen? You see, Paul was writing to a church that was going to go through some difficult times. Now, I hope you don't mind me applying this, but our church is going through a difficult time. Guess what? The advice that Paul gave the Philippians will work perfectly. Right here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Amen? And that doesn't mean that there's not going to be hurt. Doesn't mean there's not going to be contention. But you know what it does mean? We're going to keep serving Christ. Because we want to be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul got through it. We're not going through anything near what Paul went through. We'll get through it. Not because of us. Read chapter 3. Paul says, I'm trying to apprehend that which has already apprehended me. I'm trying to get a hold of Christ, but he's already got a hold of me. I'm safe. He's not talking about his salvation. But it sure would be nice to be out of prison, wouldn't it? Breathe the free air, be able to determine where he wants to go and preach Sermons without having to have the guards listening and all these other kinds of things going on. Paul says, listen, you pray that I get out. But I've already preached everywhere that I can preach in a whole lot of places. I could have never preached except for the fact that I'm in Roman prison under Caesar's protection. So now that I've done preaching everywhere that I could possibly preach in a few places, I probably could have never preached any other way. God's probably going to set me free and I'll be back in Philippi before long. And history tells us, as far as we know, that's exactly what Paul did. He went back and visited the churches and then he went to Spain and to Wales. And and, uh, before, he was imprisoned the second time and then executed. That's the book of 2 Timothy. But, uh, you know what? Paul served Jesus till the day he died. That's where we want to be, amen? But you have to choose to rejoice. Because if you don't, it'll never be good enough for you to just spontaneously, oh, everything's just perfect. It's never been perfect and it never will be perfect. There will always be problems. You know why? Do I have to tell you? Because you're there. You bring your problems with you. I bring my problems with me. One of these days we'll be shed of this. Paul said, far better. But while I'm living, I'm going to live for Jesus. How about you? Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. The Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom. To make application that needs to be made in our hearts and in our lives. To give us that ability to keep our eyes on Christ. To stop worrying about what could, might, maybe. But to live. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Lord, we bring our church, we bring ourselves into the presence of Jesus who died for us. We ask that you would allow us to choose to rejoice in the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer as the piano plays, maybe you'd like to add some of your own in your seat.